Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with Brooklyn-based jazz saxophonist and composer Ingrid Lobrock. She opened up about her new 2023 CD, The Last Quiet Place, and her world of music. She is interested in exploring the borders between musical realms and creating multi-layered, dense, and often evocative sound worlds. A prolific composer, she was named a true visionary by pianist and the Kennedy Center's artistic director, Jason Moran, and a fully committed saxophonist and visionary by The New Yorker. She's got a great story. Enjoy this interview. Thank you for taking a minute out today. I appreciate it. So as your album title says, The Last Quiet Place, where is that at? <laughs> I guess it doesn't exist. Is <laughs> <laughs> the irony. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. So It's before, the eternal search. <laughs> exactly. So before we get into your new album, how did you survive COVID as a musician? How did you get through it? And how relieving is it to have a new album out now? I mean, I I kind of was lucky because I had several albums in the pipeline. So I, I was able to do quite a bit of pro, uh, post-production work. Um, you know, I had a, a record called Dreamt Twice, Twice Dreamt come out, which has orchestral works on it and stuff. So so there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of po- post-production work, which was hampered by COVID. So I had to basically be um, mixing on the, this with a software that um, is uncompressed and it's called Audio Movers. So my producer was sitting in San Francisco. The um, mixing, the, the sound engineer was sitting in New Jersey, and I was in Brooklyn. But we had the same sound and the same headphones, and, and somehow managed to do it. You know, it was a it, it was a challenging time. But uh, my husband is a drummer. Uh, is uh, Tom Rainey is a great drummer. So we we played a lot together. We recorded a lot duets, and we we just kind of tried to keep you know, keep active as much as we could. Yeah. So what are you hoping the listener gets from this album? From The Last Quiet Place? Yeah. Um, oh, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm hoping that all my records, I, I, I tend to devise records that are like, have a sort of a storyline or have a, a certain immersiveness so that you can kind of immerse yourself for an hour and figure out what, what you get from it. I don't like to prescribe too much, to be honest. Sure. So how did this journey into, into jazz begin for you? Into jazz? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a good question. I think I the, the, the really like first memories I have of it is that my uncle um, passed away when I was about eight years old, left us a big, big box of jazz singles, which had like a sort of really a garden variety of interesting music in it. Um, uh I remember particularly liking Sonny Rollins and uh, Thelonious Monk, but I also remember that there were um, some of the prestige Miles Davis records in there, um, Louis Armstrong, Big Spider Beck, Mahalia Jackson, like a lot of, there was, there was a big variety in there, and I kind of just listened to it without really knowing what it was, but loved it. So what was the first live show you saw that really blew you away? <laughs> to be honest, I don't re- remember. Like I, I used to go to a lot of classical concerts because my my uh, parents sang in choirs. So I, so those were the things that I sort of remember really vividly. The first time I heard a um, a woman play jazz, which was Aki Takase, a pianist with with who I recorded a few uh, years ago. It was her and Maria Joan, the Portuguese singer, and I just remember that really strongly because. It, 
I'd never seen women play jazz, I guess. Um, I, I also remember uh, seeing Steve Coleman as a teenager, which was really absolutely amazing. I had no idea what was going on, but I loved it. So what do you like the best about being a professional musician? What is it that really fuels you? What do you look forward to the most? I don't know if I have a particular thing that I look forward to the most, but I do love that I basically spend all, almost all my time with something that I'm like deeply passionate about, whether it's composing or playing or rehearsing. Plus, we have a, a very nice community of fellow musicians and if you could see a dream show in the history of jazz, get into a time machine, where would you go? Who would you see? I would go and see John Coltrane as much as possible. <laughs> that is the top of the list. So I would like so, to follow him around for a couple of years, maybe between 65 and, I don't know, 64 and 66 or something like that, 67. <laughs> for sure. What was the first stage that you got on where you were really kind of like, wow, this is happening. I'm, I'm here. I'm doing it. I'm 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 performing live. When did that happen for you? For me, this kind of crept up because I started. Um, I I kind of started making a living from playing as soon as I started playing um, by basically playing in the subway at first, and then working myself up to restaurants and etc. At any point in time, I felt I got something out of it because I was learning. So even even if the music that I was playing at the time is not something I would want to do now, I still felt at the time it was beneficial because I was learning my instruments and my, my craft. It, it never really, there was never really a, a kind of an aha moment where I felt like, oh, I guess I'm a professional musician now. So why do you love jazz? Oh, I don't know. There's just so many things. It's just, uh, um, I love the spirit of it. I love the uh, the fact that it has improvisation in it. I love the fact that it's communicative, uh, communicative and rhythmically so interesting, and um, inter the, the interactiveness of it all. You never quite know what's going to happen. Yeah, for sure. So everyone out there has a perception of you, family, friends, fans, but you're the one in control. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? There's no, like, you know, I'm, I wear several hats as well, to be honest. Like, I'm, I feel like I'm constantly um, stretching out in different directions. My, the, the one thing that I, I do know that is true for myself is that I am out to learn as much as I can whenever, you know, and I feel like that is my happy place when I'm, I'm I feel like things are moving on. I'm, um, I'm not stagnating. I'm not on a plateau, but I'm kind of um, uh, immersing myself and, and studying as well as doing. So if anyone wants to pick up the last quiet place, see you live, anything pertaining to your world, previous work, where can they go? The, the record is available on Pyroclastic's Bandcamp, which is linked to my Bandcamp. So you can either go to the Pyroclastic um, Records website, which I think is pyroclastic.com. I will be playing at the Vision Fest with Joelle Leon Receptet, who's being honored as uh, um, she's getting a Lifetime Achievement Award. Um, I'm also playing a, a few Anthony Braxton pieces for um, comedian... And, and musicians um, on 
June 15th, I think, at the Brick Theatre. Actually, I might get those dates wrong. My dates are, the, the dates are all on my website, which is um, Then I will be in Europe a lot in the fall and, and, some, and uh, travel a little bit through the U.S. as well. Excellent. Ingrid, this has been great. Thank you for opening up about the project, your life and music. I really appreciate it. Best of luck with everything. Thank you. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview. We give you a bit of insight into the finest players and minds in New York, Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Ingrid for her time, energy, and cool. If you want to hear more Neon Jazz interviews, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us at YouTube, and for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.